0: Welcome to the Open Door Church podcast. Our prayer is that you will be encountered and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and challenged by the Word of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 17. That's where we're going to start this morning. If you don't have uh, your Bible with you, we do have... Uh, everything will be on the screen as well. And if if you don't have a Bible period, uh, talk to us. We would love to to hook you up with one of those. Um, It's a major part of the way that we uh, follow Jesus and a major part of the way we uh, communicate as a church with the Lord. So uh, we don't like to uh, cut corners on the Bible. Matthew 17, we're going to start in verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here, if you wish, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice came out of the cloud, said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Verse 6 says, when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground and were terrified. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, get up and do not be afraid. Verse 8 says, and lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. So, this passage is very significant. It's one of three times in the biographies of Jesus that we see God the Father speaking audibly. And it seems like there are these sort of significant moments that are highlighted by that thundering voice from heaven. And the one that we see before this is at the baptism of Jesus. When he's baptized and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and remains on him, you hear the voice of the Father say verbatim the same thing. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And it's this glorious affirmation to the activity that Jesus was doing with this this water baptism, this, this symbol that he's displaying for all his disciples who follow after him, it's this beautiful sign that the Lord is putting his approval on by literally identifying Jesus. He's literally saying, this is the guy. This is the one that you're waiting for. This, is, If you had any question about it, here's a, an audible confirmation from heaven. They didn't have like sound systems and special effects back then. This is God speaking. And it's And it's interesting when we compare the images that are used, we can kind of draw parallels to other stories in the Old Testament. This feels... Like, if you ever, like, read Bible passages, you're like, this kind of feels like something else. This feels like Mount Sinai in the wilderness. This feels like the giving of the law from Exodus, that there's this cloud that overshadows the, the people, the, the mountain. They're, they're gathering together. They're hearing the voice of the Lord. The Lord's presence is, is showing itself strong um, among them. And this feels like that, and I think for good reason. And beyond the voice of the Lord, that's obviously like a huge feature of this, this short account. But you also see Moses and Elijah, and we don't know how they knew it was Moses and Elijah. Maybe they came up and said, like, hey, my name is Moses. Uh, You might have heard of me. Uh, My name is Elijah. I'm not quite as popular as Moses, but I'm still kind of a big deal, if you remember from from Hebrew school. Um, I don't know if they introduced themselves as soon as they came. And we don't get any sort of, like, I read commentaries about it, and some people are convinced, like, oh, they were, like, spiritual and some people were like, no, they were literally physical people, like you could touch them and stuff. And we don't get any indication. The scripture doesn't give any sort of uh, sign either way, but they were there. The Bible's not like trying to lie and be like, oh, no, they were famous Elijah impersonators, you know. Like they, they just uh, dressed up like, like you would in, in like Las Vegas or something like that. No, they were actually there from the dead after being long since not on earth anymore. They were there with Jesus discussing significant things. And then there's this obvious transformation of Jesus himself where you see something of Jesus that no disciple had seen before. That they'd heard things, they'd experienced things, they'd they'd had hints that you you're you're not like other guys. You're you're something special. But then they see Jesus removed from just the the bounds of humanity and they see him glowing white like no launderer could ever clean and he's like lightning before their eyes and they're like this is Significant, and the disciples, being um, good, industrious young men, were like, "It's it's a good thing that we're here. Thank you for including us in this 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 particular prayer meeting. This is uh, a lot different than it usually is. Like, thank you. Uh, maybe we should build some shelters. We can just stay up here for a while. You know, like we can just stay here, or, or we can pay uh, like uh, memorialize this moment. This is very very important. And and it's interesting because it's in that statement like man let's 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 recognize this moment let's let's memorialize this moment that you hear the lord speak out of glory which it's funny because this is a cloud which we generally picture to be dark you know but it's a bright cloud it's like a cloud of light i don't necessarily know how that works but it sounds great and and the lord is speaking to these people and like i said before this sounds exactly like the baptism of jesus but there's this extra statement added on the end. It's like this, this point of emphasis that the Father is putting on this particular season of history. And furthermore, from now on, he says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And Jesus goes on to tell them, like, hey, this was important, obviously. Don't tell anybody about this until I've died and rose again. And. Uh, throwing theories around. I think it might have been distracting, maybe, (laughs) to start talking about this while Jesus was still like incarnate and walking the earth and stuff like that. But for whatever reason Jesus had, he said, hold on to this, because this is going to be really relevant once you guys start telling this story everywhere you go. This is going to be an important story. And I am haunted by the word of, of the Lord that says, listen to me. And, and I'm gripped because what this tells us is something really important about God is that God speaks to his people. That God isn't just a, a set of like verse of the day parables. He's actually a person. And so what I what I usually do when I'm up here is I like to talk about Jesus and I like to take something about Jesus and, and, and expand it and hopefully explain it in a way that, that we, can, we can begin to uh, be amazed by. But what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about how to do something. And I want to hopefully together um, begin to practice again listening to God. And, and uh, listening has all kinds of dimensions, you know, of actually hearing. That's a very important part of listening, is actually hearing. Uh, another really important part of listening is, is comprehending what you hear. Because like I can hear Italian, can't comprehend it. It means nothing to me. Uh, there's like a couple words that are kind of like Spanish words. I'm like, oh, that that I kind of know. But I don't really understand Spanish either. So it's not fair. It's not really helpful. And so you've got you to gotta be able to hear the words. you got to be able to comprehend the words. And then you actually have to do something with what you're told. Because if you have a friend or a relationship and you've been told something and you listened to it and you comprehended it, but it did not impact your life and it did nothing to you, so if you have a spouse and they say something really cliche, like, will you please take out the garbage? I have dissected the sentence. It's a question. It demands a response. I understand all the words. I understand it's probably all Latin words. You know, I understand. I broke it down. I comprehend it. Great. And then I go back to my room and I sit down and I continue doing what I was already doing. No, you actually have to respond to what is being said. That's part of listening. That's the difference between listening and just being around the words if that makes sense and I think when we are listening to instructions or information there's there's sort of this process that comes to us and uh, it becomes uh, difficult listening is hard and and I, I just want to outside of just talking about like the Lord and, and his voice, which uh, may sound really familiar to a lot of you, and it may sound like, oh man, what are we doing today? Like listening to the Lord, like this, is, this sounds so mystical and metaphysical. But the reality is um, it's really helpful to, to consider that the Lord is actually a person and that he is distinctly knowable. But let's talk about listening. Let's talk about just listening in general. I have this little little progression. Mia, if you want to put that up for me. So there's a couple steps that are necessary to listening. Number one is silence. And I use the word silence pretty precisely because there's something to actually completely getting yourself quiet that helps you listen. I don't know if you've ever had this uh, exchange with someone before where they're talking to you and you're just listening about, like you hear them, but you're thinking about what you're going to say. So you're not really listening to them. We, we have a Friday night group where we have married couples and we're trying to do life together and encourage each other. And we were talking about this last night. It's like when you're in a, in a, in a conflict resolution session or, or in layman's terms, a fight, you're like trying to compete. You're trying to win, right? And so you're not listening to the point of the other person. You're listening for what you want to hear. You're listening for how you can respond. And that's not exclusive to marriage. That's exclusive to all relationships. But there's something about being quiet that inevitably leads to boredom. And maybe you wouldn't call it that. Maybe you wouldn't actually say, like, oh, man, I'm listening to a parent or, or a sibling or a coworker, and I'm just bored. But I think if, if, you, if you examine yourself well enough, you probably would say, like, listening to you, I don't nearly care about you as much as I care about myself. <laughs> so I, I start to become bored with what you're saying, and boredom... Is, is a slippery slope into distraction. And once you're distracted and you're properly in the tendrils and the wicked brambles of distraction, you're a step away from disengaging and just giving up. And sometimes that can happen in conversations. Sometimes that can happen in conversations and you didn't even realize. I know there's been people, I, I think of, of years of youth ministry of trying to talk to teenagers and stuff, and they're telling me something, and I just, full confession, don't care. And we've gotten through probably 30 minutes of conversation. I'm like, I have no idea what they said. And, and I have given up on the conversation, even though I'm nodding and I'm showing all the signs of good listening. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm thinking about, like, what am I going to have for dinner today? Like, I wonder, I wonder if Shelby picked up that thing from the store or if I need to go back. And, I, and I'm just completely disengaged. And, and I think that can happen with any kind of listening. But I think there's something in particular that happens when it's person-to-person. And that's generally what we think of. Because maybe you're listening to like lectures in your spare time or you're listening to like instructions or like Nate is, is building a basement and so he's listening to YouTube videos of dads teaching him how to build basements. And maybe during that you can get bored and, and distracted and stuff like that. But there's something unique about when you're in a conversation with a person that once you start with step one and you start with silence and being quiet, there's another chart up there. Uh, you can get into awkwardness. Being quiet with another person and waiting for them to say something is uncomfortable, just as a general rule. I have definitely met people, some of you guys may know Austin Easter, dearly love the young man. He's awesome. But he's the kind of person who's content just to sit there quietly. No matter how awkward anybody feels, he's completely happy to just sit there and, and wait for somebody to say something. And I wish I was so disciplined. But I'm sitting with a person and maybe I don't know them super well or I don't know them well enough and we made this joke with Elliot and Mia a couple weeks ago because we've hung out with them loads of times but it's never just been us and so we had them over for dinner and we're like, all right, this is it. This is where we can tell if we can be friends without some buffer of another couple or some other people being around and we're like, all right, if the awkward silence sets in and we're all uncomfortable, then we know, call it, it's not going to happen. Thankfully, we're friends now. We, we made it through the, the, first, the first date, so to speak, and we're all friends now. But that, that awkwardness, and, and I think there's something to this, and this isn't necessarily my point, but I think it's something to consider when we're listening to the Lord, is that being able to be contentedly quiet is a sign of, of closeness. That's a sign of relationship and intimacy. That I don't know if you. I, I hope you experience this. If you're if you're married, I hope you experience this with your spouse. That you can sit uh, without saying things and not feel like, man, I'm so uncomfortable. This sucks. I wish I was somewhere else. I wish they weren't here. You know, I, I hope that's not your case. If come on down Friday nights, we'll talk about it. You know, like, but um, if that's you, like, I, I, I'm sorry, but like, and, and relationships and things like this develop this way. But with the 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 quietness and the uncomfortableness, we need to be able to. Um, we need to be able to wade through this. And, and honestly, this is, I, I want to give scriptural examples and encourage you, like, this isn't just it. But the only way to actually get good at this, whether it's a friend or a co-worker or a spouse or whatever, is to just actually do it. And and I think sometimes, like, uh, we we realize that in in life, right? If you want to be physically fit, the only way to be physically fit is to actually exercise, right? So no matter how much I read about exercise, it's not actually contributing to fitness. Does that make sense? Like it's, it's only when you actually do something with what you read that you, you do it. And so this is all the insights to listening, is you need to be quiet and you need to actually listen. And if that seems impossibly complicated, then, then I don't know if there's much more explanation. We just need to actually listen. <laughs> And, and we need to practice this and we need to hold ourselves in, in that, that sort of space of, of step one and step two um, and hopefully resist three and four. Because by the time we get to four, we basically just either have to give up or start over. So I want to I look at uh, two ways primarily that the Lord is speaking to us today. And, and I want to confess this as a person who wasn't raised in the church I got saved as like a, uh, like a mid-teen and uh, had no experience in church, had no experience in the Bible, and would kind of consider myself to be a pretty logical person. And so the idea of things being spiritual was, was difficult and strange, you know, and, and my observation of the church personally, was that the church was pretty clean-cut and, and understandable, and, and you could kind of wrap your mind around it. And then I kind of got in the room with Jesus and realized this is actually way bigger than I thought it was. This is actually very significant. And um, I think, and, and I see in the scripture that the primary way that the Lord is speaking to the church today is through the Holy Spirit. And so if you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're actually going to read the entire chapter. But first, I'm going to take a sip of coffee. That uh, accounts for the silence if people are listening to a podcast or something. They know that I wasn't just like their speaker cut out or something. It was me. But I could like slurp it and make it like ASMR. Just kidding. No. <laughs> There's a time and a place. All right. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're starting in verse 1. <coughs> this, this whole discourse to Corinth starts here. And if you're familiar with the Bible, if you're familiar with the New Testament, um, this letter doesn't go super well for Corinth. They kind of get served a lot of correction. But at this point in the letter, um, Paul is kind of validating the ministry, validating the significance and the importance of the church, and and kind of speaking to, in this chapter specifically, what the apostles do and what it is that the the gospel and the, the effectual work of Christ on the earth is. And so we're starting with verse 1. It says, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 3. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the Spirit and of power. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God, verse six, yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature a, uh, among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, a hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood, if they if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Verse ten. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words." But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. <coughs> Excuse me. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your word. So um, this morning, I don't necessarily want to get into the content of what Jesus will say. I think we see lots of testimonies throughout the scriptures that the Spirit of God will teach us, will remind us, will rebuke us and convict us and encourage us and comfort us and all these sort of things. So this hidden wisdom of God, this knowledge about Jesus, is a bottomless ocean. This is an endless sea. This This is... Lots and lots of content. You can't really summarize it adequately enough. But I want to uh, key it in a more how the Lord speaks and how we actually listen. So through this 16 verses, I just picked out um, three things in particular that are showing us how this wisdom is disclosed to us. How the things that Jesus wants to say, we receive, and, and the first thing, I don't actually have this on the list, but in verse 7, it shows that this is something that God predestined for his people from the beginning. This isn't something that he's like, well, shoot, they're really having a hard time down there in Corinth. I better start talking to them. No, this is something from the beginning that Lord has, the Lord has been communicative. He's been um, open and distinctly knowable, and he has been personal and, and vocal about what he wants to say. Um, I have these other three things, if you want to put that up there for me. So number one, this, this wisdom, this, this knowledge from God, it comes to us from the depths of God. This isn't something that's coming from uh, natural wisdom or intelligence or seminaries or anything like that. This is coming from God himself, and it says that the Spirit searches his depths. Verse uh, number two, it is imperceivable to people naturally. This isn't a product of discovery or hard work. This is something that is given by the Lord. And number three, it is brought to us by the Spirit of God. That is the method in which the Lord is delivering this. And there's all sorts of breakdowns, and and that's not really necessarily what I'm so concerned about right now. But the the idea that the Lord speaks to us through the Holy Spirit is, is so paramount to this conversation of listening to God. I love the way Mark Taylor and his commentary in this passage summarizes all of this. He says this, Simply stated, the wisdom of God cannot be known unless God makes it known. More specifically, God's wisdom is revealed through the Spirit who searches the deep things of God. God's wisdom is not a matter of human intelligence or discovery, but rather divine disclosure Paul's exposition of God's wisdom in relation to the gospel and the spirit provides us with one of the truly great Trinitarian passages of the New Testament. (coughs) And I think how this breaks down is this is knowledge about Jesus and knowledge about life, but to let the the cat out of the bag, so to speak, I believe this is also uh, deeply prophetic. I think there are encouragements and words that the church really needs that the Lord is speaking to his people if they would listen. And I think when when the New Testament describes the church of of the Lord Jesus, it doesn't describe um, preachers and listeners. It describes a kingdom of priests, that everybody is ministering to God and receiving ministry from God. And, And our role is, as we encourage one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that, that one person brings a gift of wisdom, one person gives a, a gift of knowledge, one person gives a gift of help, one give, person is an encourager, one person is whatever. But the idea is the church's role, if you're feeling like you're not hearing the voice of God from a pastor on Sunday morning, that's not really what he had in mind. Like, I hope that from this, this, this kind of modern circular pulpit that you hear the word of God. <laughs> That's, that's always our hope, that's always our prayer, is that you hear a word that's from the Lord, that's from the Bible, that is true to him. But there is this idea that it's not just what I say that's enough for you, it's not just what Nate says that's enough for you, we are going to bring an encouragement for one another. That the Lord is going to speak to you for a brother or a sister, and we're going to encourage one another, and that is pivotal to our growth. I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, we'll talk about it another time, I guess. I can't really take like questions or anything like that. That would be distracting. The second way that the Lord primarily speaks to us, and this is not really um, some sort of division of like, number one is this, number two is this, like they go in succession of each other, they work absolutely impossibly in tandem with one another, is through his written word. I love it. There's this really angry cessationist guy who uh, said this. He's like, if you want to hear God's voice, read your Bible. If you want to hear God's voice audibly, read it out loud. And as cute as that is for like trying to debunk like uh, charismata and the gifts of the spirit, um, it's not wrong. You know, like that the Lord uh, did something truly amazing and miraculous by composing a, a purely divine and purely human work that is the scripture that we have so much confidence in. We are a part of a, a network of churches that are all over the world called the Assemblies of God. And our very first fundamental truth in our statement of faith, in our confession of faith, is that the scripture is breathed out by God. Because what we're going to do from there on is we're going to base all of our other convictions about the Bible. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to base, like, we trust the Bible because Jesus trusts the Bible. And we all encounter Jesus, and that's how we came to faith. But the reality is, it's like we're going to explain to the world, to principalities and rulers of darkness, who God is. Because we know what he's like through the scriptures. If this conversation of listening to God is intimidating to you, because you've heard prophetic people say something really stupid before... We need to learn the language of God, because if I go to Italy and I start speaking Lady in the Tramp Italian to people, I'm not, because go- there's like a restaurant, an Italian restaurant that maybe, if you guys remember, I don't think they're actually in Italy, I don't know. Anyway, just beside the point, it's been a long time since I seen in that movie, it doesn't matter. Um, if I try to just speak Italian from the, the absolutely bare scraps that I know, I am not getting anywhere with 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 soul italian speaking people but if i learn the language and where it comes from then i begin to communicate so if i'm listening to god there's there's something inside of you that, like, you're, you think, right? And you have a brain, and, and you have synapses that, that trigger with electricity and, and will tell you things. You'll remember things. You'll recall, recall things. You'll come up with intrusive thoughts. All these sort of things will happen. And there's something to this conversation about listening to God where people just start saying, like, if I think something, maybe that's God. <laughs> and I'll just say it. You know, I'll just say, like, uh, well, God told me, uh, well, let's not get into examples. That would be weird. Um, but the idea is, like, if, if God is telling you something that is not consistent with his character and his word, it's likely I'm willing to bet not the Lord. And this is a tragic process that is that is subjected on all of us that we will learn and be wrong and be disciplined, but we're all disciples of Jesus trying to follow him, and we're doing it together But let's look at 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, where this is rooted in. Timothy was written by Paul, and Paul is writing to this this pastor, Timothy. And as he's addressing persecution, the threat of persecution, as he's addressing um, inappropriate uh, activity in the church and things that are uh, unfit for the congregation of God, as he's addressing these things, his encouragement to this pastor is to hold fast to what you've learned to remember what the apostles teach, to remember what what the scriptures say. And so it would be easy to be like, you need to go to Athens and go to that leadership seminar because your church is jacked up. You need to figure out something. You need to listen to uh, this this one person uh, and their tapes and stuff like that. It's like, no, hold fast to the scripture. Hold fast to what you've learned. And he says this dramatic, beautiful statement about the scripture that verse 16 in chapter three says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And verse 17 says, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That beyond our talent where Paul the Apostle was a more talented person than anyone that I've ever met, and probably anybody that is alive today, he was really smart, he was really gifted in communication, he was really gifted in composing, didactic, and and communicating, and arguing, he was really good at that, but what he said to the Corinthian church that was in, like, ethical dilemma and all this sort of stuff is like, when I'm around you guys, I strive to know nothing but Jesus. Jesus. I start to know nothing but the gospel. I'm not just trying to convince you with my cool words, kind of implying that maybe he could. <laughs> and, but what he's saying is like, what I actually want to do is I actually want to deliver to you the word of Jesus. And, and it's interesting because in the biographies of Jesus, there's just this, this moment that, that just hooked me among, I guess, many hooking moments in the biographies of Jesus. But uh, Jesus, towards the end of his life in Matthew 22, he's being uh, criticized and sort of grilled by the Pharisees. And Jesus just starts asking Bible questions. It's like, if you guys want to talk Bible, let's talk Bible. And he's like, do you remember Psalm 110? They probably didn't call it that back then. But he's like, do you remember Psalm 110? Who is the Christ? Whose son is the Christ? And they're like, "Uh, David. And he's like, so, in Psalm 110, when it says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my feet until I make your enemies a footstool. Who is he talking to? And they're like, uh, the Christ. So why would David, his father, call his own son the Lord? This, this title reserved for God. And they're like, uh, don't ask him any more questions. <laughs> but, but Jesus says this thing, Didn't David write by the Spirit the Lord said to my Lord. Can you imagine? Because David, was a, uh, he's a musician, he's a king, he's got all these roles, he's a shepherd, whatever. But he had a professional writer. Like somebody had to write down psalms for him. Like that's the way the entire Bible was written is, is men and women of God being inspired by the Holy Spirit and scribes writing it down. Can you imagine being that scribe, being trained in the Torah and David is just in the spirit and the Spirit is inspiring. He says, the Lord said to my Lord. And I'm like, What are you talking about? <laughs> like, this is, this is obviously true. There's something about this that is very accurate. He goes on to talk about Melchizedek and all these other things. And then the New Testament would go on to quote Psalm 110 more than any other chapter of the Old Testament. And Jesus is revealing here is that there's this nature to the Scripture that is purely human that people are writing the Bible, but they're not writing it alone. They're writing it by the Holy Spirit. And, and I've always uh, tried to hesitate because I've gotten in trouble before. We've gotten in trouble before, like picking fun at other religions from the pulpit. So forgive me if, if this is something that, that is, is connected to you in some way. I think there's lots of nuance, and I would love to have this conversation. But there's something to the Book of Mormon where they believe there's no human agency in the Book of Mormon, that, that, that their prophet found it one day and it was directly from God. And they're like, that's why it's so reliable, because people didn't have anything to do with it. And lo, the Christians, the followers of Yahweh, the, the one true living God, say like, no, humans have their fingerprints all over that stuff. And that's to show that our God is a God with his people. He's not just a God who's, who's downloading some sort of information from far off. He's with us and he's speaking to us. And that's how we know him. We don't know him by some, some guy gave us, he, he sold this word to us and told us this is what, it's, what God said because I said so. It's like, no, we're all in this together and the Lord is composing this dramatic, beautiful work through his people. I don't want that to sound like we're adding to the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. So if anybody thinks that's what I just said, that's not what I just said. That's why I'm emphasizing that the Bible is so important. We're not adding to the Bible. Stop it. Stop adding to the Bible. I, I do believe it's very, uh, it's very easy. Um, it's, it's been a mantra for the for last generation or so to just say, like, if the Bible says it, I believe it. And I think that's, wow, what a great philosophy. What a great idea to have. But the bottom line is sometimes we don't understand what the Bible says. <laughs> and so it's important that we actually go a little bit further we talk a little bit more because we're talking about a book that was written thousands of years ago and has been translated from a language that people no longer speak. So it's worth it to talk about what does this actually mean? You know, and that's why we have so many churches. <laughs> that's why we have so many denominations as we disagree on what it actually says. But the gospel is still intact even through those divisions. And praise God that he is still speaking to us and uh, correcting us when we get a little boneheaded. So to speak. <coughs> so now we have this sort of picture of a of a, a a two-edged sword that we have the Holy Spirit working in tandem with the written Word of God that is now our great asset that nothing else can replace. No um, gifted speakers, no amount of insight, no amount of anything is going to replace those two invaluable resources. And guys, if you if you know me personally, I'm a big fan of learning. I really like knowing the historical context and where the Bible comes from. I I just get I like it's honestly deeply deeply pleasing to me to understand things about the Bible. That's like most of what I do in in spare time is, is reading about these things. Not because I'm so devout, it's honestly like entertainment practically. And So it's not to say, like, give up on those things, like, forget about those things. The Holy Spirit will tell you everything you need to know. The idea is that this is all working together, that we could appropriately and accurately hear the Lord. So I want to talk about doing this, because I can talk about, like, how it's important, but I want to actually talk about doing this. So I have four things—I held up three fingers—four things that will— contribute to, and I, I'm willing to stake my own reputation on it, whatever that's worth, um, that this will actually legitimately help you hear from God. Number one, if we got that back there. Oh, no, not that one. Is there another one? Is there like a list of four things? Like a numbered list? Is there not a list of four things? Ah, oh, man. Well, I'll just read it to you. That's not me as well. I, I type in the notes. Uh, <laughs> number one, I think, I think you'll track with it. I think it's pretty easy. Number one is open your Bible. If you're, if you're, uh, if you're starting there, already a good start. I don't necessarily, I'm not a huge fan of like the flip open randomly and point sort of method. I've heard of people do that and it's really helpful. Um, I don't necessarily find a lot of success with that. If 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 you find success with that, praise God. Um, I would just pick somewhere to start. Honestly, like um, there will be sections where maybe you'll have to read a little bit longer to get somewhere. But if if this if we honestly believe, and I hope that you do, that the Scripture is inspired by God. Other translations will say "breathed out by God Himself." Uh, I think you can start anywhere. I would probably recommend like the Gospels. But open your Bible. Number two. Open your brain. Because sometimes when we think about spiritual things, we think our mind is excluded. And I think there's something that is so disturbing about that. When Jesus is wandering in the wilderness, and at the end of this perilous time of of fasting and solitude, the devil comes to tempt him, and he doesn't tempt him he doesn't tempt him with, I don't know, spiritual or physical means. He, he tempts him with knowledge. Doesn't it say that you can command to these stones to become bread? And they will. He appeals to Jesus's brain. Do you remember where it says that the, the, the Lord will charge angels to take charge of you? And how does Jesus respond? Not with like some spiritual phrase or or some powerful rebuke or some spiritual fireball he throws at Satan. No, he responds with, actually, it is written. And he responds with his mind. So if you're opening your Bible and closing your mind, I think you're going to miss things. And hallelujah, let's take back the brain That the world claims to be so high on their own brains. The the secular culture claims to have all the knowledge and all the wisdom. Let's claim back the brain for Jesus Christ because he's the one who made it and designed it to work. That Don't let the, uh, I didn't come to you in, in eloquence or anything like that, rob you from actually not being stupid. Does that make sense? Open your Bible. Open your brain. This one is the most spiritual-sounding one, but I think it's really important. Number three is appeal to the Holy Spirit in faith. Um, A few weeks ago, I talked about communion, and we talked about on the absolute ground level of communion, it's a symbol. It's something that is representative of something else. And by that, by itself, that's a good thing. You know, I, I compared it to like a photograph of a loved one. You know, it's like That's not the loved one. You know, you can't like talk to them because you have a photograph of them. But having the photograph reminds you of them, uh, invokes memories of them. And that's a good thing. But there's something about the way of Jesus. There's something about believing and following the Lord that when you do something in faith, there's a completely different dimension to its activity. That when you read your Bible for the sake of knowing things about God, that's a good thing, man. It's like like knowing things about your your friends isn't scholastic or nerdy or unnecessary. It's nice to know what your friend's siblings are named, to know what your 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 sibling's spouse is named. You know, it's like it's good to know those things. It's it's nice and it feels good. But when you actually invoke reading the Bible and thinking through these things with the Holy Spirit in faith, this is what I believe actually Tunes you in to the voice of God, that you'll begin to hear Him in ways that you thought only super duper, uh, like Nate always says, Christian plus subscribers get. Like you'll begin to hear the Lord, you'll begin to recognize His voice. And I don't know if you guys have friends like this or if you're that person that it's just like, you know, I was I was just walking down the street and Holy Spirit just told me go three blocks down and to the left and, and there's a person who needs prayer and and they get saved and. Holy Spirit Falls. This is like Stan Gill kind of stories that he always shares stories like this. And I'm like, I just don't get Holy Spirit like that all the time. Like, I think there's been like two or three stories in the last 10 years where I've been like, oh man, I know that the Holy Spirit told me this. There's a handful of stories where I thought he did and he didn't. So like, um, if you're discouraged by stuff like that, it's like, I just don't feel like God is speaking to me like he's speaking to, to Dustin, who has these epic dreams and these words from the Lord and these kinds of things. If he's not doing that, this is the way to start, man. And if he has done that, and you're like, man, I wish he would do that more often, this is where to start. Open your Bible, open your brain, appeal to the Holy Spirit in faith. And, and I would say, even with those words, say, as you, as you begin the chapter, Holy Spirit, <laughs> help me. I, I want to have faith that you will actually speak to me. You who search the depths of God and have, have claimed that these things are freely given to me. Can I have some? Can I, can I hear from you? Can I listen to you? You obviously want to speak. Let me listen to you. The New Testament says it this way. He who has ears, let him hear. In Revelation it says, those who have eyes to see and ears to hear with the spirit is saying. And number four is just to read and listen. And uh, I, I think there's some, some level of success that comes from marathon reading. I've definitely met people like that before. I've tried it myself, where you just, I'm going to read until I feel like God's saying something. And some of you maybe have like the discipline or the skills to do that, and others of you will be uh, further away <laughs> than when you started. Um, but I would, uh, I would probably, in practical advice, I would, I would map out some time. And don't make a, a time goal that is uh, going to set you up for failure. Like, all right, Monday morning, four hours, let's go. Bible open, Holy Spirit and faith, come on, let's go, four hours. Like, I would appeal to, like, all right, we're going we're gonna to take 30 minutes. Bible open, distractions removed, Holy Spirit speak to me, Lord, Lord. Um, Tell me what you want to say. Tell me this story. Tell me what's going on. Begin Matthew 1, verse 1. This is the genealogy of the Lord Jesus. And just begin to read and get through a couple chunks where you feel like you can wrap your mind around it. And just ask the Lord, Lord, why is this here? What are you saying? What I'm not guaranteeing you is minute five, you're there. You're a third heaven. Lord is speaking to you and everything works. And then you never have to worry about discernment ever again. What I am saying is that this is the way. This is the way of Jesus. This is why he taught in parables. Like, do you guys remember this? I feel like I say this all the time, and sometimes people are like, I love that Jesus taught in parables because it was easy for people to understand. And Jesus actually said the opposite. I'm teaching this way so that they see and don't understand. Because he would say something about this sower who's planting these these seeds without any precision. He's planting them just willy-nilly. And some of them grow, some of them die, some of them get eaten by birds, whatever. Bless you, good night. doesn't explain it. It's the disciples that have to come up to him and be like, what? Why are we talking about agriculture? Like, plenty of people are farmers. Somebody's probably more informed to talk about this than you are. And that sower was not very good at sowing. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, it's a metaphor, guys. It represents something. Let me explain it to you. And I think this is very dear to Jesus. And I think this is the process we're still in today where we read something we embrace confusion and ask questions to the Lord who composed it with us in mind. There's another part to this, and I think it's really valuable, and, 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 I, and I hope to appeal to it with um, a personal story. So, I like prayer, I like the Bible, our church. Likes prayer, likes the Bible. And uh, embarrassingly enough, for several years, I considered myself a prayer person. I don't know if you're like, isn't that just a Christian? I found out, yes, you know. But for a while, I was like, man, prayer is important. So I'm a prayer person. There are people who are like, um, I don't know, worship people (laughs) who also probably should be Christians. Um, But uh, in prayer... I started to feel this burden for lost people, like the Lord does. When the Lord speaks, he tells you, like, hey, man, there are people that are dying without the good news about Jesus. You should tell them about Jesus. And so you can't just continue on soaking in your prayer place. But You need to tell people about Jesus. And so I found myself with this, and I was grappling with what I was feeling about the season of life that I was in. And so my wife and my two children and I, we we moved out of Pagosa. We went to a ministry that was a missions organization, and they specialize with sending people to places that it was illegal to share the gospel. And um, and I felt very clearly this is from the Lord. And even though this is a missions organization and they're sending missionaries to the mission field, they consider themselves a prayer ministry. And I was like, win win. Here we go. Let's do it. And so we show up day one. They have a beautiful, like expensive, gorgeous facility where prayer is hosted. And we're in Colorado Springs, and we we come in, and we start praying, and they have full worship bands and some world-class musicians leading worship while we pray, and I'm in there with, like, I think, like, 27 other, uh, like, people who are going to be missionaries and some other, like, staff people and whatever, and we're having a blast, you know? It's easy to pray when, when somebody's singing, and they sound gorgeous and spontaneous, and the musicians are, like super legit and all this sort of stuff. And we're all praying and it's all sweet and we're hearing God and people are prophesying, whatever. Um, three months later, we're in the Middle East. And uh, the the Lord moved mightily before we got there. And they were uh, a tiny remnant of Christians who had established a, a, a place, like a neutral location for prayer. And it was not somebody's house. It was legitimately a location that was just dedicated to praying for their country. I won't say the country just in case anybody gets killed. Um, and so we're there and day one, everybody's jet lagged. We go into this little room that they have set aside for prayer and it's hot. You know, it's the desert, it's hot. There's like one little air conditioner in the room and there's like a piano in the room and stuff like that. And And it was probably day two. <laughs> that the, the folks that we went with started fighting. And, I mean, we can call it culture stress. We can call it demonic oppression. Who knows? But they just start fighting and complaining. And our poor team leader was like 22 or something. And he's like, guys, why are we, why are we bickering? And they're just like, I don't like the music we have in the prayer room. And somebody was like, the music is too quiet. I'm going to fall asleep. And somebody else was like, actually, I think the music is too loud. I can't think clearly. They're like, I, I would like music with, with just instruments. And then one person, believe it or not, was like, I would like in- music with no instruments, just voices. And so our, our poor team leader is holding on to this, this uh, the unity of our team by a thread. And he's like, okay, everybody gets a turn to pick the music. Good? And people are like, I just don't feel like I can pray with other people. So I'm going to pray in my room. And then we'll, we'll come together when we go out and, and share the gospel. And then other people are like, I feel like we should be praying together better. And other people are like, I don't really see why prayer is that important. We need to go tell people about Jesus. And we're like, what happened? Because we were all in the same room in Colorado Springs, and everything was fine. But as soon as it begins to get quiet and awkward, and we don't have world-class worship leaders anymore, these people are falling apart. And I'm sitting there, and my kids are there, and Shelby and I are trying to split time. And I'm just like, Lord, this is important. (laughs) Help me. And and I'm trying to listen, and I'm trying to to have grit and trying to to keep with it. And and I start to listen to um, the complaints of other people. And I'm not in charge. I'm not a leader by any means. I'm just part of the team. And I start to think, maybe they're right. Maybe we are not supposed to be praying together. Maybe we should just pray privately and then come together and maybe something will happen. I I don't know. Maybe we can just decide how much we want to pray. And so I'm thinking, like, maybe maybe they're right. Maybe, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, like, praying together is not that important. And I'd give it a second thought, and I'm like, but that sucks. Like, how... American and silly are we that we think God only speaks to us individually and all we need is, is ourselves. This is, this is a poison on the church of America today. And I, and I think it actually starts here because people think like, all I need is Jesus, right? The Bible says that, doesn't it? When the Lord looked into paradise at Adam and said, it's not good for you to be alone. What are you talking about? Everything is literally perfect. And I didn't say anything at the time. Maybe I should have. Maybe it wasn't my place. I don't know. But I had to resolve that particular one prayer meeting where I was like, you know what, I'm going to keep doing this. Because if I can give 30 seconds of my attention to the Lord with my kids screaming and crying and and things distracting me and whatever, if I can give 30 seconds, I think Jesus is probably worth that. And I wish I could tell you the end of the story was like the Lord spoke and then all the Muslims got saved. That's not how it happened. Um, But the Lord did move in in our time there, and and it was a special, memorable time that we were there. But the point of this story is there's an extra component to this, this process. And so there's that last slide that I accidentally told you to put up before. We can embrace being quiet and listening to the Lord. We can embrace the awkwardness of saying, like, there's probably something more important that I could be doing right now. That uh, Obviously, the Lord's voice is important. I don't think anybody's trying to, like, poo on that. You know, like, the Lord speaking is important. And the awkwardness of saying, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to sit, and I'm going to wait. But there's something that is so key in this process that we can actually talk to other people and pray with other people. If you guys have never been here on a Wednesday night, it has taken a couple different shapes. But I will tell you this, as a person who dearly loves Wednesday nights at Open Door Church, it is kind of boring. Because over the years, we've realized we can't just come in here and shout and scream for an hour. Maybe on a good day, we can do that. Maybe we're not, we don't have enough faith to shout and scream for an hour, because I've been in those prayer meetings and I run out of steam pretty quick. Um, But what we need to do, what's really going to be important as we pray, is listening to God. If we could hear Him, we're going to pray a lot better. If we could listen to him and have direction from him, even encouragement or comfort, even conviction, if you come into a prayer meeting, all right, I'm going to pray for every U.S. senator this tonight, and we're going we're to pray for, for politics and, and religion and world and saved and lost, and we're going to pray for everything. Even if you come in with that and Jesus is like, where is your heart? Your heart's far from me. Man, what a productive prayer meeting you just had. If you could sit and shut yourself up long enough to actually listen to the Lord, then prayers are prayed that are directed by the Father. And that's a powerful thing. So if you come in on a Sunday morning, we pray at 9 o'clock. Shameless plug. We pray at 6 o'clock, Wednesday nights. If you come in and you're like, man, this music is soft, I'm going to fall asleep. If you've ever wondered why people pace in prayer, to the best of my understanding, that's why they do it. And, and I put on soft music because I think of those, those whiners in the Middle East that are like, music's too loud, the music's too loud. And I'm like, shut up. It's there so it's just a little less awkward. If you don't know what to say, you can sing the worship song, praise God. <laughs> honestly, like, there's not a more spiritual reason that worship is important, music is important. I, I, like, that's what a lot of my life has been given to. But honestly, like, we're here for him. We're not here for you. And this is lifeblood to the church of Jesus Christ is a church that actually prays, God, thank you for parachurch ministries that pray. Thank you for prayer people, but bring prayer back to the church. I'm not going to depend on somebody in Kansas City to pray for me. I'm not going to depend on somebody across the world to share the gospel for me. We are the church. And the Lord has uniquely gifted us in this hour, has given you a word and a gift if you would just listen to him. And there's something about being together that when you're wrong, praise God, somebody will tell you that you're wrong. Because the scary thing about like words of knowledge and prophecy and all this sort of stuff that people try to avoid is like, I don't want to be a false prophet. If you're telling people not to follow Jesus and he's not the son of God, you're a false prophet. But if you're saying like, I think maybe, Brayden, I think maybe the Lord was saying that you're struggling with this thing. And Brayden's like, nope. I was like, great. <laughs> Never mind. Can I pray for you? <laughs> Can you pray for me? Like, if you're wrong, we're in this together. There's grace for us to listen to God, to learn his voice, and to do something together. So what we're going to do now, we can stop recording, bless you if you're on the internet, is we're going to listen to God. And I believe that Bible's open, mind's open, appealing to the Holy Spirit by faith, the Lord will speak to us. And I'm willing to subject us to a little bit of weirdness if it means that we're getting closer to Jesus. I, I, I remember being in a, a church service one time where they just had time during worship that anybody who wanted to say something could say something. And I was like, this is a recipe for disaster. Who, who approved this idea? And you know what happened? Somebody came up and said, the fire of God is gonna blow over us. And then somebody else came, the rain of the Holy Spirit is gonna rain down on us. Is it fire or is it rain? What do we do? We're mixing up our elemental imagery here. And then somebody's like, the Lord's doing a new thing. And then somebody else is like, I'm not even making this up. This literally happened. And somebody else is like, the Lord's returning us to the original ways, the ancient ways. And I was like, this is so confusing. Who's like, All oh, this sounds fine. But somebody, is somebody wrong? Is somebody like making it up? I heard this story about somebody who had a, a tongue and they had their own interpretation for the tongue. And they're like, it's just like when Moses built the ark, the Lord God is saying he's preparing us for something significant in the spirit. And everybody's like, uh, okay. And they sit down and they're like, oh. The Lord was wrong. (laughs) The Lord meant (laughs) Noah built the ark. (laughs) I didn't actually witness that one, even if it was just a funny story. Um, The Lord isn't wrong, uh, but sometimes you're a bad listener. And the only way to get better is by actually practicing. So what I want to do, um, if you want to uh, turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you don't have it, that's fine. I don't want to make you feel left out. I remember originally I was really against putting verses on screens because I felt like it gave people an excuse to not bring their Bibles to church. But I think it still counts even if you read it off of a TV. (laughs) I'm gonna uh, play the piano just a little bit. And uh, honestly, just to make it a little less quiet. And I would encourage you to read out loud, read quietly to yourself, read in your head. Begin to read through this chapter. If you have something else in mind, if you want to read a different chapter, you're welcome to. But just ask the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And then I just want to make space for him to speak to us. If you feel like the Lord is, is speaking to you for a, a specific person, I would invite you to address that person. I mean, we're all in the same boat now. You know, we're not like uh, trying to make it weird or make it uncomfortable. And, and honestly, the gospel is already pretty weird, so don't make it weirder than it needs to be. But if you have a word for somebody, if you have an encouragement, share it. And, and I, I didn't get Nate's permission to do this, but I think it will probably be fine. I think you guys can hang, handle it. If you have something to address the entire church, I would invite you. If you feel like the Lord is telling you something, I would invite you. And this is not a time to be, like, contrarian. So if you want to be, like, mean, maybe ask, ask somebody first. I don't know. But again, this is me trying to preserve myself, trying to preserve the church. But I honestly believe that the Lord will speak to us. So, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to play the piano just a little bit and we're just going to take some time. If you want to move, if you want to stand up or kneel or come to the altar, we're just going to we're done. So, if you're fed up, you can leave. <laughs> Remember to bring your Christmas child box back. Um but uh, we're, we're just going to spend the, the remainder of the service just listening to the Lord and, and believing that he will speak to us through his spirit, through his word. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you want to check out more of our messages, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Just search Open Door Pagosa. Our ministry is made possible by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this morning's message and want to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, find us at opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give and stay connected with everything we are doing as a church.